Welcome to this episode of Main Street Today, where we'll talk art in virtual classes and events from OzArts. TWRA has a story about bears in Tennessee, stars of Honky Tonk Ranch, and hit kicker since the late 70s with over 20 number ones. The Bellamy Brothers are our Main Street musical guest, and Experts on Main has a new series. It's with a funeral director during a pandemic, and it's called Six Feet Away. I'm Devin O'Day, and Main Street Today starts now. We have a new series on our network called Six Feet Away, where our expert on Main Street, Randy Nash of Sumner Funeral and Cremation in Gallatin, Tennessee, takes you behind the scenes to a mysterious world that is his life's calling. Unusual doesn't begin to describe all the questions he's been asked when it comes to a celebration of life. Most unusual artist I've ever played at a funeral was Ozzy Osbourne. I don't remember what I remember. We played two songs. I don't remember which ones they were. That would probably be the most unusual song too. I think for, but I do think one time we played Highway to Hell. My dad always jokes that he wants whiskey bent and hell bound at his funeral. My Hank Williams Jr. as a joke, but being that I'm a funeral director, and I can make that happen as long as his funeral's not at a church. <laughs> um, it might actually happen. My mom will probably kill me, but um, uh, that's just something that he's always joked about. Um, I would think that's probably. Highway to Hell or Ozzy Osbourne would definitely be the, the most unique. I remember, I remember with the Ozzy Osbourne one that the minister said told us that if it got any louder than he, what he thought it should be, he'd get up and walk out because he wasn't going to be a part of it. And I was like, well, I well, can't say I blame him. I mean, you got to be respectful of the, the minister too. So, yeah, let's go with Ozzy. Randy Nash's day is full of taking phone calls from people who are not only bereaved, but worried about how to celebrate a life and celebrate a loved one in these new guidelines with the pandemic. And so we're just going to try to um, keep people you know, distance as much as we can through Ramsey Hall and then only allow a few people into the sanctuary at a time to try to keep, um, you know, to try to do the best we can. You know, it, it, it'll just be everybody trying to work together. So, um, it'll be quite a few people, honestly. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just gonna we're gonna figure it out, though. It'll, it'll I think it'll all work out. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. In this new series, Six Feet Away, in preparation, I went to some friends and said, hey, if you could ask a question of a funeral director, what would you ask? Apparently, hair, makeup, and fashion are big ding dang doodle deal when someone is leaving so who does hair and who does makeup and who picks out the outfit <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you of course linda who asked this question she is a hairdresser so she was curious about that linda the hairdresser so um well we're in the south we're in what i like to refer to the buckle of the bible belt right here in beautiful middle tennessee and you know, James Gregory says, you give us something to embalm and some baked beans and we'll have a funeral. So, um, <laughs> fashion is, a, I mean, clothing is an important part of it. I think the, clo- the, the clothing should represent the person. Um, I wear a suit every day. So when I die, if my wife doesn't put me in a suit, somebody will walk in and go, well, wow, he looks like crap. He's not in a suit, you know, <laughs> why has he got a golf shirt on? <laughs> you know, but I think it should be relative to the person. If the person wore overalls every day, put the overalls on them. If they, you know, if they wore a work shirt and shirt and pants every day, put that on. If they wore a tank top and shorts, do that. It's another part of, of celebrating the life. And so the, the hair and the makeup. So I am not a hairdresser. I am not a hairstylist. I don't claim to be. I barely can do my own hair. 
So generally I have a hairdresser that I will hire or if the family has um, a hairdresser that, that has done the person's hair before or someone they trust to do it, uh, we'll let them come in and do it. That's usually the best option because they knew the person and they know how it needs to look. And the cosmetics, we primarily do the majority of the cosmetics. From time to time, there'll be a family member that wants to do it. I think that's great, but we still assist them because everyday people get up and do their makeup and how we do mortuary cosmetics are two different things. You know, we're worried about hues and lighting and things like that. And people are worried about skin tones and covering up blemishes and stuff. And we're obviously covering up blemishes and sometimes different things that have occurred with the body. But we are concerned with, with hues and shadows and, and coloring and, and lighting and things like that more so than the everyday person. And we also try to make the person as natural as possible. I don't like a lot of makeup. I try to utilize techniques with embalming, um, with using certain chemicals and dyes, which impart color back into the person to limit the number of cosmetics we have to use. Um, I can go on. Don't, don't get me up on that soapbox because I'll stand on it and talk all day. So um, I just I don't, I, I go for natural as possible. If the person wore a lot of makeup, we'll do that. If they wore bright blue lipstick, we'll do that. But normally we try to do what's natural. One of the sweetest uh, funerals I ever attended was Lori Morgan when her mother passed. She and all of her sisters came in and Lori did her mom's makeup. And it was a point of closure for her. But Lori's daughter went to mortuary school. Morgan... She's a graduate of the Mortuary College at John A. Gupton College in Nashville that I attended. How interesting is that? Useless piece of information for the next. It is not useless at all. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, we always talk about John I Conley. I had a few um, funerals where Lori sang on them and been to and actually did a funeral for one of her brother Marty's best friends. My dad grew up in Madison, and he'll say, well, they're just old Madison folks. My dad and all the, and the kind of grew up together, so they are definitely um, famous, but they have, you know, they're still hometown people that come and take care of their their friends and their family for the full episode and more in the six feet away series subscribe to this podcast randy nash of sumner funeral and cremation in gallatin is the youngest president ever of the tennessee funeral directors association we invite your questions for future episodes on our main street today facebook page or by email at mainstreettodayradio at gmail.com and of course any information you need can also be found at sumner funeral.com 615-452-9059 the award-winning tennessee wildcast extra is on the air for the latest in outdoor news information and inspiration here's your host jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for listening. It's springtime, and you've got uh, bear activity, so that's what the topic's going to be today, and uh, we're excited to have Dan Gibbs with us. He's the Black Bear Coordinator for the state, and uh, Sevier County Wildlife Officer David Sexton. We're glad to have him, and then Matt Cameron, Communications Coordinator for the East Tennessee region, and we're just glad to have everybody here. One thing I wanted to touch on before we get started and jump into these questions and go to GoOutdoorsTennessee.com. It's under the license catalog under specialty and the money that helps us uh, put on other programs and it goes to our foundation so our foundation can help us introduce the outdoors to other folks want to learn how so that's what that's all about so anyway you guys should go go get you one it's a pretty cool little hat 
Yeah, state employees don't get a free one, I guess, huh? No, not 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 too many. Some of them maybe get passed around, but yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you guys being with us. We've had both of these guys on the show in the past, and we always know we've had a higher activity. He's been getting calls from the media and things like that. And, and springtime, I guess, is when they start moving. We're going to learn more about how we can better interact with these guys and, and make things better for the bear and for the humans. So I think that's what we need to be thinking about. So, Matt, I'll let you kick it off. What do you want to start with today? Uh, thanks, Jason. Um, you know, I, I have limited experience with bears, uh, 17 years for the agency, and been trying to educate folks in the public about them. So I, I know a little bit, but i got two guys with us that know a lot. And I guess a question for either one of you want to jump in. I see bear activity increase greatly in the springtime and then the late summer, early fall. And, and I think it's because late spring is they came out of their dens. There's not a lot of natural food available. And the berries, soft mass hasn't come in yet. So we see a lot of nuisance activity right now. And then again, in the fall, um, before the hard mass, uh, the nuts and things start to drop, we yeah. see an uptick in, in bear activity then. Is that generally true? It is. The other thing that you can add to that scenario is the uh, fact that all the juvenile males are dispersing. They're moving around quite a bit trying to uh, set up the home range and so they'll venture uh, into areas that you may not normally see bears so that's another aspect for that that's those springtime movements and issues that we have david no this time of year is typically a time that we do have a lot of bear movement like you said before you're exactly right matt there's no food available out there for the bear right now until the berries do ripen and then we'll have about a month maybe reprieve where they do go to those and and eat and then from probably the first week in july till the acorns really set on the trees in the fall we have another large rather lengthy time there that uh, we have a lot of bear activity in and around all of east tennessee not just gatlinburg or, or places like gatlinburg Hey friends, Don King here, inviting you to check out the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency's new TV show, Tennessee Outdoor Journal. It features a behind-the-scenes look at the work being done to conserve and manage our state's fish and wildlife. It also talks about boating and wildlife watching opportunities. Visit our website at tnwildlife.org to find a station in your area or your favorite social media site. Hello, I'm Bob Ross, and I'd like to welcome you. First of all, let me take just a moment to thank you for allowing me back into your homes. If this is your first time with us, let me extend a personal invitation for you to drag out your oil paints and paint along with us each week. Let's go over to the canvas here and let's get started. Nashville, the Athens of the South. We have amazing art centers in our city. Now we'll talk with Mark Murphy, the artistic director of Oz Arts, to find out what's going on at their center and how they're taking all of their art classes and a lot of their artistic experiences virtual. Oz Arts is located in a former cigar warehouse in West Nashville and is in its seventh season of presenting and producing a variety of contemporary art events and performances and being a laboratory for adventurous artists who are working in contemporary ways and combining different art forms to create new adventurous productions and performances. And we work with both local artists as well as a wide variety of national and international visiting artists and companies 
this year uh, included artists from Brazil and from Japan and from Chile, as well as from throughout the U.S. Oz Arts had to deal with a lot of issues before even the coronavirus. I always say that the Nashville area was hit hard because we had a tornado, a little tornado. It's just incredible what went on here right before the coronavirus shutdown. Yeah, we re really were hit with a, a double whammy. And Oz Arts is located directly adjacent to the John C. Toon Airport in West Nashville, which was devastated. And much of the neighborhood uh, where Oz is located was also severely damaged. The buildings directly adjacent to Oz and many others in the neighborhood were flattened completely and had to be uh, torn down the rest of the way. But our building was not as badly damaged we did sustain approximately a half million dollars in damage. We have to replace the entire roof and make a lot of other repairs. But luckily, in partnership with the insurance company, we'll be able to make those repairs and expect to be able to reopen as soon as public health issues allow it. We haven't been in our offices since March 3rd when the tornado hit. And just as we had power restored and internet restored and we're about to move back in on the 15th or 16th of March, we had to shut down because of the coronavirus. It's been a while. I liken these days to those dark ages and then the plague and then out of that came the renaissance, which I see a second renaissance about to happen. I don't know, do you feel a burgeoning, just an explosion of art and creativity coming? I do. It's difficult that it's impossible to gather people together in the same room because since so much of the work that uh, we do at Oz Arts involves performance, that's sort of essential. But I do feel that there is a moment of recognition of how much we rely on artists for inspiration. We've seen, as people are spending more time at home, a huge increase in the amount of content being streamed online plays and musicals, as well as films and concerts, of course. But it does seem that there's a lot of inspired thought about the sense of community, about what our relationship as individuals is to the larger whole, our sense of responsibility and our ability to contribute to the evolution of culture and to help people understand the changing world that they're in. And we also have realized how fragile our artists are and the infrastructure is for our artists in terms of economic support, but how the, the real important element is the inspiration and the passion for the art. We have found an interesting way to change one of the projects that we were planning to premiere from a performance into a performance reimagined for the camera. Other performances had to be canceled or postponed, but working with local artist Jana Harper and uh, collaborators uh, in music and, and dance, she had a piece called This Holding, which was very much a combination of a visual art project with soft sculpture as well as a performing arts project and she's now reimagined that as five video works to be shot on location in different spots around Nashville and each exploring the theme more deeply and the, the title has been expanded from this holding to this holding 
traces of contact, which relates to the contact tracing term, which is used for people who are tracking the spread of a virus, and they will test people and then trace all the contacts they've had. But it also relates to the notion of the importance of needing contact and our impact on others. It's led to a really exciting period of reinvention for her and her collaborators. And I'm excited to be able to still put that project forward, although in a different platform. Have you been able to expand some other things to online viewing? Yes, we are still working on adding to a sort of online library of content at the OzArts website. Everything from some of our teaching artists who have been doing workshops for children and uh, youth uh, through our Oz School Days program have created online versions, including an interesting uh, episode in which uh, someone teaches families how to make masks at home, but also another one that's about making puppets out of things you might find around the house. And then there's also a variety of artists and theater companies that we've featured at Oz Arts who have made content for live streaming and or for short format video viewing online. And there's links to about a dozen different projects like that on the OzArts website. Yeah, it's great to be able to maintain some sort of engagement with the audience that we have and to see how the artists are reimagining the work that they do to keep themselves active and to keep pursuing new and fresh ideas. And they say that necessity is the mother of invention and I think maybe um, quarantine is uh, the ant of invention, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right. I think about all these parents who became homeschool teachers overnight and how what a blessing these programs are. I don't have kids myself, but I'm usually pretty good at being an uncle, but I like the part-time aspect of it. But to have uh, the responsibility of all of a sudden being in charge of homeschooling, I've seen many friends post things on, on social media and elsewhere that uh, they want to have a parent-teacher conference because they're very unhappy with the job that the, their new teacher has done. And of course, complaining about themselves, day drinking, <laughs> who, who knows what else. <laughs> I know the one that I saw was uh, a mom who said they quit doing math the way I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> how am I supposed to teach it? I never learned this. <laughs> and uh, but, but one thing that I think is really giving us joy, I always say that there's there's a reason that Bob Ross was one of the most relaxing, wonderful things to watch on PBS and the most popular still to this day is because watching people create and do something artistic is still one of the most zen-like things that we can do. Yeah, it really, it really is uh, relaxing. Let's build some happy little trees. There are no limits here. You know, when you're alone in your home, you can make art and you can sing songs just for yourself. You don't have to worry about it being perfect. And I think Bob is always really good about just do it your own way now. You can add a little color here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that tree needs a little friend. <laughs> yes. One of the things that we did as part of our online content at Oz was 
ask some people who have been uh, involved in our programs and involved in the organization to share their thoughts on video about what it's like to be spending time at home. And we've called this series, There's No Place Like Home, which relates, of course, to The Wizard of Oz and the name of Oz Arts Nashville. And the first series of uh, th three or four interviews is online now, and the, the first few focus on how people are interacting with their kids or thinking about family different now that they don't have a day filled with constant driving around to soccer practice and to work meetings. We do have more time and I think that people are noticing things that they ignored before. This is probably the first spring that I actually see the blooms on the trees. I mean, I saw them, but I didn't see them like I do this season. And I think that, that we are looking more with an artist's eye than probably we ever have. It's true. And getting to know our own neighborhoods and our yards. I have walnut trees, and I don't know that I would have looked at them more than once a day if I was on my normal schedule. Who named Oz Art? Well, the business that used to be in that factory was started by the Osgener family. Chano Osgener, who passed away in June of 2018, and his son, Tim Osgener, and their name starts with OZ, and that's how they decided to tie the organization to their own involvement in helping to found it. The father, Chano Osgener, he had a series of significant health problems and discovered during that phase how there's a healing power to art. And after having worked so hard all of his life, suddenly in his 70s, he began to focus on art in all of its forms. He was active in going to the symphony and the ballet, but then also was a self-taught visual artist and painter and became very prolific. He wanted the family business after the business itself was sold it was a luxury cigar brand that was sold to an international cigar and uh, liquor luxury conglomerate of some sort. But he, he thought, let's, let's make this 10,000 square foot warehouse space into a place for culture and a place for artists and a place where people can experience new and fresh ideas, both the visual arts and also in performance. And there's also an outdoor area dotted with a few nice sculptures and some of the programming takes place outside of the warehouse. We've had everything from a big family day to outdoor concerts. And we hope to be able to do that again soon. Well, I hope so too. If people want to discover Oz Arts, I think there are a lot of people who don't know about it. And we'd love to tell everybody in the Middle Tennessee area about it, especially with some of the online classes that have started. It, it's great. People can interact with the art without having to actually drive to the uh, west side of town or come to a, a performance in person. So I think it will end up being part of the the overall plan in the future. Mark, how can people find out more about OzArt? All of the information about our upcoming events and all of these online virtual experiences are at the website ozartsnashville.org. That's ozartsnashville.org. As music and art start exploding onto the scene with even more passion, I think that is the thing that will truly heal us. Thank you for shining the light on our Middle Tennessee and our local artists and worldwide artists as well. Thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate it.
country charts and to date they've released more than 50 albums they have a new business venture with a company called true leave and a hit tv show called honky tonk ranch their copyright hit let your love flow is celebrating its 44th anniversary i'm devin o'day and this is our conversation with my friends the bellamy brothers Hey, how are you? David and Howard here. Hey, Devin. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, we're weathering it down here. We're all weathering it. We're just kind of hanging on for dear life, but we're here. And I'd lie to you for your love. Yeah, we're still here. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you too, man. I am so excited because I look at all the things happening for you guys right now, and it's just fabulous. You know, I, let's talk Honky Tonk Ranch. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, that's kind of why we started it in the beginning. You know, it was always something crazy was going on around here, and so we just you know decided to film it and then um, in, invite people in. We had last uh, last person we had in, I guess, before we got shut down for a while was what. Graham Brown was here. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, T was here. And then we're on the road on, on Blake's tour. We uh, we did some stuff with Blake for the next season. And so that was fun. I've been following on social media. There's a new baby. Is it a Brahma or a Longhorn? That Didn't you used to have Longhorns? We've had some Longhorns, but our main herd is Brahma. Uh, as we speak, Devin, David called me up from my little uh, humble abode down in the woods, and so I stopped by the cow pens. And there's a I have a heifer in labor as we speak. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, well, we won't take much of your time. Those little yeah. calves are adorable. Yeah, their ears are so big they look like they could fly. Well, she <laughs> hasn't broken yet, so we're safe. <laughs> if I said you have a beautiful body, would you hold it? David, you celebrated uh, and had a renewal of vows for your wedding anniversary? Yeah, on, on the show, we had, had talked about doing that. And uh, of course, my wife wanted to go to Vegas or to uh, Hollywood or somewhere exotic. But we ended up doing it in Howard's barn. So, <laughs> Who has had the, the wildest reaction to being on the ranch? So I bet Tanya Tucker had a lot of fun. That, that's her jam right there. She fit right in. Yeah, Tanya fits right in. Yeah. Girl. 
Somebody's asked me about how can you ride the horse. I said better than anybody I've ever seen, just about. <laughs> yeah, we were in a cutting competition with Tanya one time. She can ride. She can ride the hair off a horse. She and Lynn Anderson, God rest her soul. I, yeah. I've never seen people that are better than those two. Yeah, actually, Lynn was in this same yeah, competition. Yeah. Lynn was incredible. Yeah, Lynn was cutting with us as well. We had a, a several. I think Cactus Moser yeah, was Cactus also. Moser was he also cuts. And what's your name? The uh, in the uh, horror movie, uh, her head turned all the way around. In the oh, oh, the girl. From oh, Blair. Linda Blair. Blair. Linda Blair was in that. Yeah, country. she's a cutter. When you start talking about cutting horses, I start thinking about Bob Kingsley. Bless him. Oh Don't yeah. Don't we miss him? Yeah, great guy. Old bandanas and blue jeans. Campfires burning like stars. It's a song about all the things we live and what we are. Dancing cowboys. Singing horses. Gypsy I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the power of cannabis <laughs> and the way that it has become the talk of the world right now as a pain reliever and anti-inflammatory and you're part of the business now. You know, we've been knowing that for years. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, I love it. You know, in our book, I gave Howard credit for discovering medical marijuana because he uh, he almost killed himself in a in a wreck. Not stoned, but drunk. But drunk, yeah. And then he moved over with us, with the, with me and that old band that we had together. At the time he moved over there for a while, I started smoking some pot in, instead of drinking, and uh, and and it kind of healed him up. And I so I said, well, he actually kind of discovered the medical marijuana. Yeah, phenomenon. I give I give marijuana credit for me not being an alcoholic. So he grows a little garden in the backyard by the fence. He's consuming what he's growing nowadays in self-defense. He gets out there in the twilight zone sometimes when it just don't make no sense. Cause he's an old hippie and he don't know what to do. Should he hang on to the old? Should he grab on to the new? He's an old hippie, this new life is just a bust He ain't trying to change nobody, he's just trying real hard to adjust Tell me about the brand name and, and how have you linked in with them? Well, uh, TrueLeave is a, a company here in Florida. They are the largest medical marijuana company in Florida. And, uh, you know, we got to know them, you know, a year or so ago and really like them and like their products and what they do and the way they market and everything. And so we had this idea for a while to do the old hippie stash because it was a really good good tie-in and everything. And so, um, sure enough, we, we went up and toured their facility up in Tallahassee, which is amazing. It's one of the, the, the most amazing facilities we've ever seen. And then, you know, gradually started talking to them about the product line and developing some artwork. And it's kind of like doing an album cover, you know, just develop artwork and stuff and then come up with the strains. The strains, of course, are the most important things. They've got some amazing growers. Yeah, and they can engineer this stuff these days. They, they can clone it from certain plants and get just the reaction you need for, for whatever ails you. And that's the amazing thing. Yeah. You, know, you can kind of target you can grow something that won't freak you out. You need help sleeping. Some of the indicas are really good for that. 
want something that's uplifting in the morning, you know, so, some of the sativas. So there's there's a whole science behind this. And, and now there's so much information out there and, and so many products. It's, it's just really amazing. So True Leave is the company with the old hippie stash that is yours. And are you licensed growers? <laughs> not, not, not anymore. <laughs> you know that old song, the Wildwood Weed? They, you know, they dug and they burn and they burn and they dug. And, you know, we have to give that up. But it's all done by the state. It's, it's all grown state. by the state of Florida. Yeah. And their facilities, like I was telling you about the ones we were toured, the facilities are just unbelievable. I mean, what they're doing, you can't imagine. It's the most immaculate room you've ever been into. Yeah. You know, you have to wear a, a suit. I mean, you, you look like literally you're going into a hospital because you can't have any contamination whatever whatsoever on you because they've got these, you know, they've got too much invested in these things. They don't want any diseases, outside diseases coming in. So it's heavily monitored, lights, cameras, all of that. And like I say, they, I, I wish I had known years ago you could clone that stuff. I've been way ahead of the game. <laughs> the cloning really is amazing. Like our product, like our uh, one flower is, is called Reggae Cowboy, and it's a clone between uh, Indica and Sativa. I mean, they can streamline this this stuff. It's just really an amazing thing. you got to get into Reggae Cowboy Shuffle and boots on the street Get into Reggae Cowboy CBD is uh, incredible for healing, and then of course the uh, THC is incredible for pain. And, and you know, the one thing we were really surprised about is the age that most of the, the medical marijuana people are, their customer right here is average around 55 years old. And, and that's uh, where the most pain is. And you know, so it's people our age yeah. starting to feel the pain. So, and it's got a lot of people off of opioids and stuff. If people want to really see something sad is look at a group of people who are addicted and they're all in their 80s. Yeah. And they, yeah, sure. it, it's awful. But then you turn around CBD and the use of medical cannabis and it's just unbelievable. What a relief. Yeah. And, and it really is. And like you say, a lot of people who had a stigma uh, about marijuana of any type, you know, of anything to do with THC. Well, now, Dave, now Dave and our father was, uh, of course, he's in World War II and went through a lot. And he came up, you know, and raised two boys that were, you know, turned into pretty hardcore hippies and watched us do all kind of stuff. And, and one day we eventually, you know, he got on up in age and he got in quite a bit of pain. So we finally got him to try a joint, but he wouldn't do it in front of him. <laughs> Joining. We, we were all standing in the kitchen watching he's out in the backyard. He took a few hits and, you know, he stayed out in the yard for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally, he came back in the house and uh, his name was Homer. And he said, well, Homer, what do you think? And, you know, you can't, these people have, like you say, they've had a, a stigma against it, you know, all the things they've heard. So you don't, you don't know what they might imagine it would do to them. We said, Homer, what do you think? He said, well, he said, I didn't see no mini skirts and I didn't climb no trees. <laughs> and what that meant, I have no idea. That was his reaction. <laughs> Lovers live longer, so let's stay together. Because the way that we're going, we might live forever. Let your love flow every few years. It'll have a resurgence. Somebody will use it somewhere, and then it'll become a hit again. Yeah. I have never known a song that did that. Yeah, it, it's true. It, it shows up in the oddest places, you know, like like a movie soundtrack will grab it, or it, 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 
ended up, I remember when The Sopranos came out, they used it in there. And then and then uh, years later, when Breaking Bad started, it, it they used it in there. And yeah, it's one of those songs that just keeps doing that. And, and nobody ever gets, seems to get tired of hearing it. So we keep on playing it. When can we look for a new season? I guess when you can start filming again, right? We were nine episodes in when this all hit. Still got four episodes to finish. There's a brand new season three that's in the can right now. It's a lot of fun and a lot of great guests on there. Well, thank you so much and have a beautiful, blessed day. And I'm going to look for pictures of that new baby. All right, right, Devin. Thanks, honey. Take care. And by the way, that Brahmin heifer did give birth while we were in the interview. The new baby has been named Devin. Thank you, guys. He's so cute. For more information and to follow the Bellamy Brothers, check out bellamybrothers.com. What a fun show. Subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Main Street Today. Hey, we're on YouTube now, too. Click like and share. We sure appreciate that when you do. I'm Devin O'Day for Main Street Media.